You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. I'm Desmond Child, and I create music. I've written over 4,000 songs. So of those 4,000 songs, I think I've had 1,200 recorded. Those 1,200 recorded, I've had 80 of them be in the top 40. And of those, I think it's maybe 15 have been in the top 10. So it takes 4,000 songs to, to make 10 good ones. Hollywood, I thought I would start this discussion by talking a little bit about financial stuff. That's something we don't talk about much on these podcasts. You good with that? Did you say financial stuff, like cheap, like how you get two bottles of wine for three bucks? (laughs) That stuff? No, we're talking about planning for our financial success in the future. That kind of stuff. You with me? Uh, (laughs) Sure. I'm trying to figure out how the cheapest guy I know is going to tell me how to financial save. Dude, I keep trying to tell you that there's being cheap and then there's planning for the future cheap. And it's the planning for the future cheap that I'm talking about. <laughs> and and I keep telling you there's being cheap and then there's Stephen Michael cheap. <laughs> Whatever. Look, I'm perfectly happy with a $3 bottle of wine. All right. <laughs> so check this out. I'm editing a podcast today and I do a lot of financial podcasts. And they start talking about investments and they're talking about royalty investments. So my ears perk up because normally I don't pay attention to these things while I'm editing them. I just make sure the edits are good. And I'm like, well, what the hell are they talking about? Royalty investments. Have you ever heard of this? So you can invest in music royalties. Are you aware of this? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So here, let me explain. I'll give you the example the guy used. You know the song Empire State of Mind by uh, Jay-Z and Alicia Keys? I don't know it, but yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. So for this particular example, we'll use that song. Apparently, a guy paid $190,000 for the investment of this royalties that this song brings in. And the year prior to this guy paying $190,000, the song earned $33,000 in royalties. 
So basically what that means is over a 10-year period of time, if the song earns $33,000 or more per year, then the guy will have about 11.2% return on his $190,000 investment. Make sense? Yeah, but that song's going to live for more than 10 years though, right? Does he not own it after 10 years? I don't know the specifics about that. I don't understand quite how the royalty investment game works. This is just the example the guy used. And some years, you know, maybe it doesn't earn that many royalties. And some years, maybe it earns more because maybe it ends up in a couple of movies or maybe, you know, something happens, God forbid, to one of the two of the artists and everybody goes and streams a song, you know, that kind of thing. But I had never heard of investing in royalties. And I found it interesting. I thought I would share that with you. Yeah, it's like buying shares in a song, basically, right? So if I would have been able to do that, I would have done it in 1983 for 1999, knowing that shit's going to be used in everywhere forever. Right. Makes sense, right? Yeah. I don't think I would ever invest in songs. That seems like a little bit of a high-risk investment to me, but I didn't know it was a thing, to be honest. So I found that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I like having a little versatility here on the Grown Up Rock Podcast. We can't talk about nonstop rock and roll. We have to uh, diversify and help the listeners out so that they can plan for their futures in their retirement. You know what I'm saying? But you can share. So when you get a room in Vegas, this, 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 and this comes with it. I remember you telling me, you're like, oh, yeah, did you check out the spa? I'm like, what spa? You don't know this place has a spa? I'm like, I've been coming here 20 years. I don't know it has a spa. Sonny, the spa's free to you. How can you not use it? You're not getting your money's worth. I'm like, oh, my God. That's right. And it was fantastic. Great steam room, everything. Come on, man. You got to take advantage of these things, Poonie. Live a little, would you? Wow. Cheap <laughs> ass. <laughs> They bargain. That's a bargain for me. I think I would buy some. All right, let's get into tonight's episode. So tonight's episode is what we are calling the Thanking the Great series. Now, we did one of these already when we basically did a whole big thank you to Michael Wagner, the producer, right? That was a great conversation, too. Absolutely. And with these series, we are not necessarily doing like a top 10 song or a top five song or our favorite songs. It's more or less giving you a sampling of the work that these people have done over the years. And sometimes we try to dive a little bit deeper into the tracks because we don't want to pick the obvious things that most of the listeners will already know anyhow. Even though they may know some of these things, we like to also share some deeper stuff as we do often on this podcast, right? Yeah, we got some deep songs today. <laughs> deep, deep. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So tonight's artist in thanking the great series is the fabulous songwriter desmond child right yeah and he's got a long history and we're going to talk a bunch about it and all his number one hits and a bunch of stuff yeah that's right we're going to get into everything desmond child and discuss that in the episode coming up but before we do that you know we got to do this It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, so tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from the band Hell in the Club. They just recently released an EP called Kamikaze, 10 Years in the Slums. 
the idea behind this EP that they released is they wanted to put something out that celebrated their 10-year anniversary as a band since the band's first album. This is a way of them saying thank you to everybody that's listening and putting out a little something new without having to put out a full album. So in this EP, they've included two new tracks, which one of them you're going to hear here in a minute. And then they've also put two cover songs, a cover of Alice Cooper and a cover of a Wasp song. So check out this one called Kamikaze.
Okay, so good and bad on this song. <laughs> Let me start with the good. The backing vocals at times, the gang vocals, sounded great. That intro riff is totally restrained. And Tony's going to be all, no, 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 no. Tone, just hit rewind. Listen to it again. The intro riff is completely you guys. The rest of the song isn't, but the intro riff is absolutely them. The bad. <laughs> it feels like two songs because it changes pretty extremely at the chorus. So it kind of feels like two songs kind of jammed together. And the sleaze and the voice, I just can't get past it. It just doesn't hit my ear right. That sleaze is just kind of meh to me. Cool. I like the tune. <laughs> I like most of Hell in the Club. There's a few songs on each record that I'm kind of like meh on. I 100% get what you're saying because that doesn't surprise me. You're not real keen on a lot of the sleaze singers with that sleaze growl to their voice. And Dave definitely has that. The band is, and they make this really easy for me, Dave on vocals, Andy on bass, Pico on guitars, and Mark on drums. No last names. I love it. It's fantastic. I don't have to try and pronounce it. The band is an Italian band. We've had Dave on the show before for an interview for their last record. I dig the band. I actually like this EP. There's some good stuff on this EP. So I would encourage you guys to check out Helen Club Kamikaze EP. Can't be very expensive since it's only an EP. Check it out if you like what you're hearing and uh, support Helen the Club. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. So, like we said, we're going to talk about Desmond Child. His real name is actually John Charles Barrett, born October 28, 53. Now, this guy has got a bachelor's degree from NYU for music, and he started in the business in a band. So he put together a band called Desmond Child and Rouge, and it had uh, three lady singers, Mariam Vall, Maria Vidal, and Diana Graselli, and then a bunch of hired musicians. So really, you know, they're kind of doing, come on, it's called Desmond Child and Rouge. So they're basically doing disco, right? They released a couple of albums. It doesn't do great. They had a, like a top 100 hit, 78, 79. They were on a soundtrack for a movie called The Warriors. I've never seen the movie. So they had a little bit of success, but in reality, they didn't have a bunch of success. So the old adage, those who can't do teach. So somehow Desmond's like, well, I guess I could just write songs. And he meets Paul Stanley, which we'll go into that story a little bit later when we're talking about the historic moment. And he gets a shot to work with Kiss to write I Was Made for Loving You. And after that, from 1979 through 2022, this guy has worked with Kiss, Billy Squire, Cher, Bonnie Tyler, Bon Jovi, Aerosmith, John Waite, Joan Jett, Alice Cooper, Rat. Michael Bolton, Roxette, Chicago, Dream Theater, Ricky Martin, Kelly Clarkson, Leanne Rimes, Carrie Underwood, Vince Neal, Lindsay Lohan, Meatloaf, Sebastian Bach, Scorpions, Katy Perry, Selena Gomez, and that was like a tenth of the list. <laughs> so the guy has been all over the place writing music. He released one solo album. He's also released a live album by himself, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And he does like these fantasy camps. So actually, by the time this episode comes out, a fantasy camp has just ended because there was a fantasy camp in Nashville, songwriting fantasy camp, that ran from the 7th through the 10th of April that had Desmond Child, Emmylou Harris, John Hyatt, Marty Fregerson, Felix Calaveri from The Rascals, Damon Johnson, Steve Cropper, and Joy Vital, and a bunch of other people. So he's staying in the music business, but this is a guy that's been behind the scenes, either songwriting or producing. 
He is in the, like I said, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, got in there in 2008. He co-founded the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame. He's supposed to have a book coming out early 2020. It actually hasn't released yet. So my guess is COVID kind of messed the release of the book up. He has never won a Grammy, which is amazing to me. For all of the songs that he has written, he has never won a Grammy. He got nominated for a bunch, but he never won one. And I want you to take a wild guess of how many number one hits he had in the U.S. on the Hot 100. How many number one hits? Man, it's been a boatload. I'm going to guess number one, number one hits. I'm going to guess 15. That would be incorrect. Okay. The number is four. Okay. Three of them were Bon Jovi hits. (laughs) So the three Bon Jovi hits, You Give Love a Bad Name, Living on a Prayer, Bad Medicine. Yeah. The other one was uh, Ricky Martin. Living the Vida Loca. I figure. (laughs) <laughs> right? So think about this, though. Living on a Prayer was probably one of the biggest songs in the 80s. Living La Vida Loca was one of the biggest songs in the 90s. <laughs> right? So that's not bad. He spanned many decades, if you think about it. He's had hits in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. And just because it didn't go number one doesn't mean it's not a hit. Right? So you definitely know his work. Uh, he's been around for a long, long time and influenced, especially for both Sonny and I, influenced a lot of the artists from the 80s that we like. And then I know he's had a whole stint with American Idol winners, and he's had a little bit of success there, but not groundbreaking success with any of the Idol winners uh, over the years, I don't think. Yeah, that's all accurate. And reality is, you know, he knew a little bit about songwriting because his mom was a songwriter. Right. So that, that always helps because, you know, somebody's kind of, well, you know, if this isn't working for you, son, you could just go do this instead. And I don't know about you, and I'm sure it was similar with you, but when I first got into music and I started buying physical product, um, you know, I would read through the jackets just like we all did, look mm-hmm. at the album covers, blah, blah, blah. You know, I went to CDs very quickly because of the time frame that I got into music. But, you know, I had some cassettes and some LPs, but I got into CDs very quickly. And then I started noticing probably in the mid to late 80s that the same names would pop up on songs that I loved. It would be Holly Knight or Diane Warren or Desmond Child a lot mm-hmm. of the times. And I'm like, who are these people and how are they in like 80 bands? Like, I don't understand how they're in every band. I, You know, I didn't realize people are writing music, right? So I tried being in a band. I didn't have really the chops to be in a band. Then I tried managing bands. I really didn't have the patience to manage a band. Then I tried booking clubs. That was a goddamn disaster. Then I tried songwriting and I'm like, well, maybe I can just songwrite and be behind the scenes. I didn't really play an instrument very well and I don't really have the ear for melody. So I ended up being a lyricist, right? I wrote lyrics for a bunch of things and sold a few and gave away a few and I got a cabinet full of stupid lyrics. And every once in a while, I'll get a bug and I'll write some stuff down. And it, most of it's unfinished, but you know, just thoughts in my head or whatever. But it was people like this, my child, it's like, well, I guess if I can't do, I can teach also. So I tried it. It's just, you still got to have a talent to do it though. Yeah. Well, Desmond talked about his transition from being a musician and being in a band to being a songwriter. And he had a mentor that helped him along the ways. And uh, he talks a lot about that guy as well and kind of gives him credit for helping him understand, you know, more about songwriting and so forth. So, I mean, everybody has a mentor along the ways. I personally, 
I tried my hand at playing guitar. I didn't have the talent for it. I wasn't great. I didn't want to practice a lot of long hours. So I really had no creativity when it came to that. I ended up behind the scenes in music, in production and touring, and I had success at that. And that's what I stuck to and never looked back. That was how I kind of stayed closely connected to the world of music, which I love so much. Yeah. So now today I kind of look at, you know, who's the new Desmond Child and technically a Serafino, right? He's not writing a lot of that stuff. Alessandro's probably playing the Desmond Child piece, but it's Serafino that's connecting all these bands together. And that's what Desmond Child was doing for me during my teen years and my twenties and thirties is he was connecting all these bands and I'm like, well, what else has Desmond Child done? Right. So I would start looking at the back of like CDs to see if there were songwriters on the back and just start buying anything that Desmond Child has done. I think some of the modern day Desmond Child, I mean, Desmond Child is still current, right? He's still writing hits as, as recent as 2020. But I think some of the more current songwriters, we'll call them, are guys like Ryan Tedder from One Republic, right? He's written some hits for Beyonce and One Republic and some other artists, people like like Butch Walker, uh, who is producing and also has song writing credits for some pretty big stars today. Linda Perry, that's another one from Four Non Blondes. She's having a go at, at songwriting, has written some great hits over her career. So they're out there. There are some musicians that had bands or were in bands, but didn't quite work out for one reason or another that turned to songwriting and producing and are doing a pretty good job at it. Hey, I'm Arianthe. What was that like writing with, uh, with Desmond? I love Desmond. Desmond is, he's magical as well. And I met him, he was one of the first writers I met actually coming out to LA, which is insane. Um, I had lunch with him at the Earth Cafe with Andreas Carlson and we wrote Bad News and recorded the first demo in Charlie Chapman's house in Hollywood, in the Hollywood Hills. And it was a crazy experience and it was amazing. And I knew when we wrote it that it was something really special. And just writing with Desmond in general, he's just, you know, um, hit maker and just like he just knows how to get those choruses going and make me sing, you know, the top of my range. And, I, and there's so many it takes it. <laughs> I mean, I think the song was actually uh, higher before. He had me singing, like, he's, he's like, no, scream high. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I can't. I'm going to sound like a dying animal here. But he always, <laughs> <laughs> he always pushes he always pushes me which I love which I love you know about Desmond so we decided that we would each pick five songs and like Stephen said before this isn't we're ranking our best five Desmond Child songs blah 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 first of all I don't even know if I could do that because there's so many of them we just wanted to pick five songs that kind of gives you a taste of what Desmond is all about and kind of just uh, celebrate his legacy a little bit yeah, we'll talk about some of the bigger things that Desmond has done along the way and maybe some of the bigger hits that he's had. But the songs that are going to be represented by Sonny and I today are, like Sonny said, not our favorites and not the biggest hits he's had. All right, so go for it. You start. All right, so I'll start with my first couple of songs. So like Sonny alluded to, Desmond Child worked with Billy Squire in the late 90s on an album called Here and Now. And so the first song that I want to feature is a song from Billy Squire written with Desmond Child called Tied Up. You want some loving, but your heart's tied up. You need some loving, but your heart's tied up. 
Billy's a great artist in his own right and really usually doesn't work with other songwriters. So, you know, I guess this was just an opportunity late in his career to write with Desmond and maybe it worked out. I don't know. There are a couple songs on this record that Desmond co-wrote with Billy. I like Tied Up. I like the other one. This album doesn't get a whole lot of love because it came in 1989 and is pretty late in Billy's career, but I think it's got some good stuff on it. I really, really dig the tune Rock Out, Punch Somebody, which kicks off the record. There's also a good song on there that he wrote with Desmond called Stronger. Check out that record, Here and Now, by Billy Squire. The next song I'm going to feature is a song from Rat off the Detonator record. Now, Desmond produced this record and pretty much had a writing credit on every song on this album. There's a lot of people that love this record and a lot of people that hate this record. I personally think it's a pretty decent record. Is it as good as the first two Rat records? No, not my opinion, but there's a lot of stuff I like on it. One of the deeper tracks I like on it, I just happen to like the chorus and it's a little bit poppy, but I dig the tune and that's Heads I Win, Tails I Lose from Rat. Check this one out. Come on, Steven. If you are going to pick a shitty song, at least get the title right. The song is actually called Heads I Win, Tails You Lose. It's not a good song. We apologize for the next three minutes you have to endure. You're a liar, you're a cheat, you're good 
Isn't it heads I win, tails you lose? I don't know. I don't think so. That's, well, you would know. Let me start with that record. That record's complete shit. <laughs> that chorus is complete shit. He actually says, I may not be a doctor, but you're as sick as a flu. Seriously, dude? That's awesome. How do you not like that? That's terrible. So, stupid Pierce. It just shows even the great Desmond Child cannot fix fucking Piercy. Piercy is just terrible. No songwriter is ever going to fix that voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this song absolutely sucks. Like, I just, nobody can fix Piercy. Just, uh, let's go to the other song. So, the other song, Tied Up. You may be at the tail end of what Billy Squire's doing, but 89 is the absolute bang zone for Desmond Child. He is red hot at everything he had touched up to that point. The song is great, but uh, you might not know this. He actually worked with Billy Squire in 1982, so he was on Tale of the Tape. Really? Yeah, he did uh, You Should Be High Love. I know that record least out of all of Billy's catalog. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was actually, it was the second song he ever wrote that got published, that he ever wrote with somebody else and not his own band. Well, that tells the tale of how he knows Desmond. I'm a little surprised that they didn't work together before then. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they worked together on that first record and Billy had all that success after that, I'm kind of surprised that it wasn't until 89 and here and now before they worked together again. Yeah, that might just be, might be timing, might be Billy, who knows, right? Yeah. I like that rat record. You don't like that rat record? (laughs) No, that rat record is not good. Dude, all I can imagine is Desmond sitting in the studio going, I cannot believe I got to work with this fucking singer. There has got to be a better singer among you people. Please. Do you think it really comes down to the singer though? Yes. I mean, Desmond's there, he's producing, he's co-writing. You don't think he can suggest melodies and stuff? He can, but the singer's still got to be able to pull it off. And if the singer can't pull it off, that's just all there is to it. Proceed. So, (laughs) all right. So my first two songs, I'm going to go deep, deep with the first one. And the second one, probably everybody knows. So the first one I'm going to go with is a band called FM. So we've talked about FM a little bit because they've been releasing some uh, stuff lately, but they formed in 1984, still going strong today, British band. They've been active the last four or five years releasing music. Band is very survivor, foreigner, journey, but Desmond wrote one song for them on their second album. And it was honestly the catchiest tune on the record. So here's Steve Overland, Merv Goldsworthy, Pete Jupp, Chris Overland, and I'm not making this up, homie's name is Dig Digital. Yes, I said Dig Digital. And yes, he plays the keyboards. Can't make this shit up if I wanted to. From 1989's Tough It Out album with a song written by Chris and Steve Overland and Mr. Desmond Child called Bad Luck.
And my second song from Bon Jovi, Desmond and John Bon Jovi got a ton of history. We already talked about three number one hits they had. They made a ton of money together. Most of the songs that John, Desmond, and Richie wrote together are pretty much from 86 to 95. They wrote a few other things, but that bang zone of those 10 years is absolutely awesome. And they made a hell of a songwriting team. John pretty much stopped using Desmond after 95, and I can't name 10 songs from the last, like, what, 27 years that Bon Jovi's done. So, you know, one is our music has died a little bit, but two, I don't know if they're as catchy as they used to be. So I love Slippery When Wet. I could have easily picked a song from there, but I went with New Jersey instead. So here's Bon Jovi with a song that Desmond, John, and Richie wrote together. It's one of my favorites off New Jersey, and I actually love the music video too, Born to Be My Baby.
Okay, so Desmond Child and Bon Jovi, they got a long, long history together. I think that probably looking at this list of Bon Jovi songs that they've written with Desmond, I mean, what would you say? That's about, what, 15, 20, 30 songs that they've written together that cover several Bon Jovi albums. The most notable, of course, being songs like You Give Love a Bad Name, Living on a Prayer, Bad Medicine, Born to Be My Baby, which you just played. I mean, it's a classic. I like that tune. Is it my favorite Bon Jovi song? No, I like it though. And then the other one, FM. So that could have been a Bon Jovi song as far as I'm concerned. I like the tune. Uh, and FM is kind of hit or miss for me. Sometimes they air a little bit too much on the light side, but a lot of their rock and stuff I like, they've been around forever. So I would encourage people definitely go seek out FM. If you're a Bon Jovi fan, like an earlier Bon Jovi fan, I would definitely go check out some FM. They've got some good rock and stuff on their records, but definitely one of the lesser known bands that Desmond's probably ever worked with for sure. And how many songs have they done together? Just the one? Two, there's another song called Burning My Heart Down that he did with uh, FM as well. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right, so we'll take a break out from our Thanking the Greats with Desmond Child, and I'll direct you guys. If you're interested in more information on Desmond Child, I would encourage you guys to go look up an interview that the Decibel Geek did with Desmond Child. It's really good. They spent probably an hour, hour and a half with him going through his history, and it's a really, really good interview. Also, if you guys want to help the Grown Up Rock podcast, go to Podchaser or go to Apple Podcast and leave us a five-star review. I put the link in the show notes. So all you have to do is scroll down on your phone and hit that link and go leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you dig about the show. We appreciate each and every one of you. We read all the reviews. So once again, leave us a five-star review. It helps out the podcast and it helps us be noticed by more and more people. And that helps us to grow. So thanks again. Now back to our discussion. I'm going to share the next three songs with you that are definitely much deeper tracks for Desmond Child. The first one I'm going to share is from an artist known as Beth Torbert. Now, to most of you guys, you're going, who the heck is Beth Torbert? I never heard of her. Well, I'm not sure you've heard of her stage name either, but she's also known as Biff Naked. That's right. I said it. Biff Naked. She's a Canadian artist, and from 1996 to 2016, she was one of the top-selling Canadian artists. And she's had several albums out. Now, she's hit or miss for me in a big way because she's kind of all over the place. She'll do everything from power pop to punk to almost like ballady type songs, folky songs at periods of time. The song that I'm going to play for you is a song off her album, The Purge. And this is a song called I Love Myself Today.
and doll in pieces as I took the fall for you. You don't chomp, you left me free falling like space jump, burning up in the atmosphere of life. Well, I sound like a philosopher, but I'm a fool, so I'm a rocker, cause I let you in my heart that one last time. So next up, you probably heard this song by other artists at one point or another. But this one I'm going to play is from the band Bonfire. This band has been around since the early 80s and has had over 20, that's right, 20 plus members, probably only rivaling bands like L.A. Guns for more members. They've even had David Reese, who we used to sing in except for one album and was in Bangalore Choir. Remember that band? Anyway, this is a song called Sword and Stone by Bonfire. Sword and Stone 
And last but not least, I'm going to feature a song from the band South Gang. South Gang used to feature Butch Walker. I love both South Gang records, but this first one, Desmond Child had a co-writing credit on just about every song. Butch will tell you often that he learned how to write songs from Desmond during this period of time with the band. And this is a song which is about the only, I don't even know if you could call it a hit, semi-hit that the band had on MTV at the time. This is a song called Tainted Angel.
Okay, so the Sword and Stone and the Tainted Angel song, I've always loved both those songs, right? Sword and Stone, we've heard Paul do it on the Shocker soundtrack. It was great. Tainted Angel, it was on uh, MTV all the time. So I remember liking the song, but I didn't love everything Southgate did. That Biff Naked, okay, the girl is hot. But goddamn, that song is brutal. That song is so bad. Like that verse is the weird slow rap shit she's doing. And then the pre-chorus is okay and the chorus is trying to save the song. But I guarantee you Desmond does not have this song on his resume that he's handing to people. I guarantee it. <laughs> well, it's it's on the Wikipedia list of songs that he has out there. Uh, so I like Biff Naked because she can be wild at times. I like this song because it's very raw. It's got a very punk feel to it. And uh, I dig the tune. I kind of called that before. I was like, Sonny's not going to like this song at all. Yeah, you know what? It shows Desmond writes under a very wide umbrella. So he can write a tune like this, but then he can turn around and write a song like Angel with Aerosmith. You know what I mean? Or a song like La Vida Loca for Ricky Martin. He's kind of all over the place. And it just shows his versatility as a songwriter. And also, I think that a song probably has a basic structure to it, and it's up to the artist to do whatever they do to it, whether they make it a punk song, a ska song, or a ballad, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, what's interesting about Desmond Child, and I don't think I've ever seen one, maybe on his solo album there was one, or a few, but all these uh, hits that we're talking about, it's never just Desmond Child. So I think he's going in saying, all right, show me what you got. Show me what you're about and let me help you be you in a way that'll hit the charts and be good to people's ears. Where a Diane Warren, I think, was handing people completed songs. Well, according to Desmond, in various interviews that he's done, he's made the comment that the title writes the song. So oftentimes, if he finds a good title, he'll create a story around that title. And he's more of the lyricist guy, right? He might get involved in a little bit of the melody, but he's more of a lyricist guy. He really relies on the music to be written by others, I think, the majority of the time. So he comes up with maybe a chorus, maybe a little bit of melody, but a lot of the lyrics and stuff like that. He loves the polar opposite lyrics, right? He loves the, I hate myself for loving you. You give love a bad name. He loves that polar opposite discussion. Dude looks like a lady, that whole thing. So he's talked about that many, many different times in interviews that I've seen with him. In 2005, Desmond somehow gets talked into writing a song with Vince Neil. We have no idea why. Here is a look inside that recording session. Damn it. Me. How you feeling? I just hate it when I can't get something, you know? Not as much as we hate it. I'm not that easy of a producer to deal with. I, I'm very hard on people. Okay, but the notes were right, right? No. They weren't? Mm-mm. Oh, You're man. overshooting and kind of all over the place. At this point, Vince is getting very frustrated. He's complaining. That's code for I'm angry at you for writing such a hard song. I told him, oh, I feel for you. Not. I don't feel sorry for stars. I mean, they get their picture on the cover. I get my name maybe printed on the tiniest little corner of the product. But that's okay. As long as they write my tiny little name on the big check, I'll be fine. So getting to uh, three or more of my songs here. So the first of the three, we talked a little bit about Desmond Child and Rouge releasing two albums in the late 70s, not doing well, disbanding. 
So 91, after he's had a bunch of success with helping other people, he releases his only solo studio album. He gets signed on Electro Records. Now, these 10 tracks on this album, I remember getting it day one. I was so into it. I'm like, oh my God, the guy who has been on a bunch of songs I absolutely love is releasing an album. This album's going to be off the charts great. It's not. <laughs> I'm just being honest. The 10 tracks, they ride the line between like pop and adult contemporary and rock. I think I was hoping for 10, you give love a bad names, and which is completely unfair to Desmond, right? But basically, that's what I was looking for. Uh, he's got a bunch of guest musicians on it. Joan Jett, Mitch Malloy, Kane Roberts, Vivian Campbell, Butch Walker, Luther Kerr, Richie Sambora, Tico Torres, host others, obviously all people he's worked with. But Desmond does all the lead vocals. So check off this kickoff track, which he also let Bonfire do. Honestly, Desmond did it better. Here's the price of loving you.
Okay, next song. We're going to talk about a guy named Brett Ace Young. Who you say? Just hear me out. Guy's from Denver, Colorado. He was just like any musical kid. Played in musicals, started playing some instruments, singing a bit. 2000 at age 20, he writes a song that ends up on a soundtrack. The movie was called The Little Vampire. I've never heard that song. I've never watched the movie. By the way, Desmond Child co-wrote a different song on the same soundtrack. That's just by luck. So anyway, Ace is feeling a little bit of success, so he moves to L.A. Four years. Can't get his music career going because no one gives him a chance. So he decides to audition for American Idol in 2005. So Ace Young gets on Idol, gets all the way to the top seven before getting bounced. Now, by the way, this was season five of American Idol. Taylor Hicks won. Good Lord. Fucking idiot. Catherine McVie was second. Elliot Yamin was third. And I remember this year specifically because this is the year I stopped watching Idol after this. Because <laughs> Daughtry should have won that year. But Idol doesn't like rockers, right? So after Bo Bice losing in season four and Daughtry not getting his due in season five, I'm like, that's it. I'm fucking done with Idol, right? But anyway, back days. So he gets all the way to top seven. The following year, Idol always does a tour. So since he was in the top 10, he's part of the tour. In 2006, he's People Magazine's hottest bachelor. He's one of them. Crazy. Keeps his connection with Daughtry. Co-writes It's Not Over. Remember that hit? Big hit. Gets a Grammy nomination for a song. So he gets from nobody knows who he is to he can't get a musical break to top seven on American Idol to a Grammy nomination. So in 2008, he releases his first studio album. It ends up his only studio album. The album stalls at 160 on the Billboard 200, releases a single called Addicted, which tops out at 77 on the Billboard 100. The album had like 50 musicians and producers and engineers, including John Five handling some of the guitar, by the way. But if it sold 50,000 copies, I'd be surprised. So Ace says, forget it, goes the Broadway route instead. He's been in Greece, he's been in Hair and a bunch of TV episodes. So his career's going a different way. But here's a song off of that 2008 album written by Ace Young, Andreas Carlson, and Desmond Child called Dirty Mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, you got a dirty mind. Yo, 
song going off that opposite that you were talking about spark in the dark right so there's the opposite there some people will say 80s alice is the best alice i not only agree with that but i believe it's by far the most tolerable alice the polished production of the 80s and by the way desmond produced this album that we're talking about too is exactly what i think alice needed to smooth out some of the rough edges and it just it's better to my ears so spark in the dark off of 89's trash album is one of my favorite Alice Cooper songs, period. So super catchy, great guitar riff. Alice has been known to have a bunch of musicians help him on his recording. So on this song, you have Alice on vocals, Guy Man Dude on guitar, <laughs> Hugh McDonald on bass, Bobby Chowinard on drums, Alan St. John on keyboards. Alice and Desmond literally threw the book at this album because they got John Bon Jovi helping, Steven Tyler, Kip Winger, Joe Perry, Sambora, Tom Hamilton, Joey Kramer, Kane Roberts, Lukather. They needed it because Alice needed a resurgence. So here you go. My favorite song off the album, Spark in the Dark.
So let's start with Spark in the Dark. Let's go back to that musician lineup. I don't think Spark in the Dark is my favorite off that record. Bed of Nails is also on that record, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So the musician lineup for this song in particular, Bobby Cornard, longtime drummer in Billy Squire's band. So there's a connection. Alan St. John, also longtime band member for Billy Squire's torn band. Uh, who else was on that song? Hugh McDonald, who's connected to Bon Jovi. Yep, now in Bon Jovi, longtime Bon Jovi guy, was there actually in the early days before Bon Jovi was Bon Jovi. And did you say, oh, yeah, Guy Mandu. <laughs> Which is the token shredder guitarist that Alice has to have. That's right. <laughs> guy Mandu. That's, that's the coolest name ever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's not my favorite song. But then I've also said, look, I'm not the hugest Alice Cooper fan. I don't always like the melodies or Alice's voice. Uh, I can appreciate some of the songs that Alice puts out, but I'm more of a hits guy. Uh, but he was fantastic live. I do enjoy that. So Ace Young. So here's an interesting connection. I listened to you tell the story about Ace Young and the American Idol and all that stuff. So I don't know if you know this, but Ace has been married to Diana DeGarmo, who was an actual American Idol winner in a later season. Now, she ended up writing with Desmond and Desmond wrote a few songs with her probably both from the American Idol uh, hookup and from the Ace Young hookup. But he ended up writing, I think, the first single that she put out, Dreams, and then a couple of more songs after that. But she never went anywhere as an American Idol winner. And so now both of them, both her and her husband, Ace Young, have been doing Broadway, like you said. So that's where their career took them. And, uh, you know, amazingly, they're still married. They've been married, I think, since 2013. And she's from right here in Snellville, Georgia. So she lives uh, not far from where I live. I don't live in Snellville, but uh, it's a suburb of Atlanta, and that's where she's from. It was a big deal when she was uh, on American Idol and doing well. So that's an interesting little connection there that I thought I would share with the listeners if you didn't know that. And then the last song, Price of Lovin' by Desmond Child. Yeah, you know, it's okay. I didn't hate it. It didn't offend me. None of these songs offended me. I, they were all okay. Obviously, Dirty Mind is a little left of center for what we normally play here on Grown Up Rock, but it's all right. They're just kind of okay with me, those songs. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, Desmond and Paul have a relationship. So like we were talking about before, Desmond got an opportunity to co-write I Was Made for Loving You. And this all happened because although Desmond Child and Rouge wasn't doing that great overall, Paul liked the songs. And Paul was looking to write some sort of a disco type song. So he met Desmond and helped him write I Was Made For Loving You, which was Desmond's first international number one hit, by the way. So they didn't work together much right after that. So 80, 81, 82 kind of time goes by and they connect later on, which we're going to talk about in a second. But the way Desmond got connected to John was Kiss and Bon Jovi were both on Mercury. And John must have said something to Paul about he was looking for people to work with. And Paul gave John Desmond's number. 
And that's how they connected. So, you know, Gene's always out there touting that he discovered Van Halen. Well, you can thank Paul for all the number one hits that uh, Bon Jovi had. So there you go. Anyway, for the historic moment, we're going to go with my favorite Kiss Studio album, Asylum. Desmond's got a ton of history. Like I said, they had five co-writes together out of 10 songs on Asylum. They were all Paul songs. Desmond doesn't, I don't know if he's ever worked with Gene. I don't even know if Gene actually likes Desmond. And Desmond's even said in interviews, he's not sure if Gene liked him or not. Desmond co-wrote on Asylum, King of the Mountain, Who Wants to Be Lonely, I'm Alive, uh, All Night. And this track that people, especially the Kiss Dards, love to hate, but I love it. Radar for Love.
Yeah, I don't know what's to hate about this song. I listened to this song today. I mean, obviously, it's been a little while since I've heard Asylum. So I wanted to check these songs out since I knew we were talking about them. And yeah, I just don't get it. I like this tune. I like a lot of the songs. People hate King of the Mountain, too. I love that song. So yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I, I got, you know, Asylum's not my favorite album like it is for you, but I like Asylum a lot. So I don't have a problem with Unmasked Kiss. Hey, one of the songs that he wrote for Animal Eyes is one of my all time favorite Kiss songs, period, which is uh, I've had enough. So there you go. Part of why people hate Asylum is the look on the album. They can't get past that. Mm-hmm. Second, ah, it's not I Stole Your Love. There isn't a different I Stole Your Love. There's only one of those. They don't like Radar for Love. That sounds too much like Led Zeppelin. So what? I don't care, right? So whatever. Now, we were going to talk about this a little bit because Desmond has a uh, little bit of a history of resurrecting some of the melodies that he would do with one artist Maybe the song didn't do that well, and then just take that melody and change the lyrics and go do it with another artist and have a number one hit. All the time. But the good thing is, and this is what I appreciate, is Desmond doesn't hide that shit. He comes right out and he goes, yeah, this, that's this. And he'll flat out say that. Like he said before, I hate myself for loving you, Joan Jett, which you had a huge hit with, is Heaven's on Fire backwards. The riff is backwards, but it's basically the same thing. And if you listen to it, you can hear that. Yeah, definitely. You people are dynamite! He also talks about In and Out of Love, Bon Jovi. So just the course itself uh, and the rhythm of it is sort of heaven's on fire, in and out of love. So it's sort of similar, even though he didn't write In and Out of Love. That's just a Bon Jovi thing. But there's that sort of similarity between those two tunes. But then he's had, (laughs) to me, talk a little bit about the Bon Jovi and the Bonnie Tyler thing. Yeah, that one's kind of crazy. So Bonnie Tyler released a song called If You Were a Woman and I Was a Man. So again, you got the opposite, right? That got released like in 83, 84. It's a pretty good song. Desmond co-wrote it. He was not happy with the way that the record company was pushing the song. He's like, this thing is a number one hit written all over it. You guys don't know what the hell you're doing here. You need to really push this song, but the record company wasn't doing it. So he's like, well, forget it then. So he's working with John and Richie and he goes, hey, I got this melody. Let's just change the words and do it again. And they do You Give Love a Bad Name, bam, number one hit. So later on, he co-writes a song. Now, this is 20 some odd years later with an artist called Ava Max. And the song's called Kings and Queens. And that chorus is just like you give love a bad name. So he's basically done that chorus three different times and had hits three different times. So note to self, the royalty department doesn't care. He's getting paid three different times for the same song. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? He co-wrote it. He's honest about it, right? It was different enough. And you got different type of artists. All three of those artists are completely different. You listen to those three songs back to back to back. They're three completely different songs. There are similarities, and that's because Desmond Child co-wrote all three songs. But there's similarities to every ACDC song, no matter who writes it. So who cares? You know what that says to me, Sonny? Desmond is my hero because that says to me, work smarter, not harder. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I think here, the point we're trying to make in this episode with Desmond Child is that he has done a boatload of stuff that both Sonny and I love. We don't love everything he's done. And we've shared some songs here that are deeper tracks that Sonny and I are a little iffy about. Some of it we like, some of it we're kind of met on. But overall, the catalog of stuff that Desmond Child has written or co-written has been awesome. And we appreciate Desmond Child's body of work. Yeah, and it's honestly not Desmond's fault that we're not into everything that he does because he's doing so many different things, right? So he's asking his fans and the listeners to love rock, to love pop, to love R&B, to love Latin, right? And there's just not very many people out there that love all that stuff. And I like, I would say eight out of 10 songs that I hear that Desmond's involved in, I like it as long as it's not fucking Stephen Piercy. Then it's all zero out of, <laughs> zero out of 10 because it's all shit. But nobody can fix his voice. God couldn't fix it. Well, God fucked it up to begin with, so it doesn't matter. But uh, anyway, uh, Desmond's, you know, been a part of my musical history and I'm glad he's still around. He's still alive and kicking and he's still out there doing stuff. And uh, I want to, you know, if I ever get a chance to meet him, I want to thank him. The views and opinions of Sonny Hollywood <laughs> Pooney do not reflect those of the Grown Up Rock podcast because I happen to love rat. I happen to like Stephen Piercy's voice and I happen to like Detonator. So suck it, Pooney. <laughs> the guys were all, you know, he's going to be on the Kiss Cruise and he's going to say something to you because he's going to know all this. I'm like, I'll knock his ass out if he says anything to me. And then he never showed up to the cruise, which is just like every other time I was supposed to see Rat. <laughs> they don't ever show up. He's going to be on Monsters on the Mountain if you want to go there. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I don't think you can be expected to love everything that uh, one artist does. I think that's pretty hard to do. And I think being able to cover and write in different genres that span three decades is pretty impressive, considering that you've had the change in the musical landscape that you've had, whether it's been grunge or pop or power pop or R&B, whatever. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And then throw in things like Latin and everything else into the mix. That's just damn impressive, man. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. So Go check out some Desmond Child stuff, and thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys listening. Until next week, see ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.